0: Hello, I'm Mariette Sneemann. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to wellness professionals ready to inform, assist and inspire. Today's topic is What happens when your pet dies and how to approach euthanasia? My guest is Jenny Schoen, international animal communicator, healer, and founder of the Animal Healing Centre near Walkable. Welcome Jenny. Good
1: morning Mariette and thanks for having me and good morning to everybody else as well.
0: To our listeners, after our conversation it will be fun question time. Jenny, many humans are very close to their animal companions and losing a pet is very traumatic Even more so, I think, when euthanasia is involved, that decision that needs to be made. Today we're going to talk about what happens when an animal companion dies, and after that we'll tackle the question of euthanasia. Okay. You and I have done a podcast on telepathic animal communication, but today we're specifically going to focus on animals who cross over. How did you get started connecting with animals who have crossed over? Okay,
1: most people are actually born with telepathic abilities, but as they get older, they they lose it. People start saying to them, "Oh, this is impossible, it doesn't work. It's just a dog. What does it know?" You know and, and they, they, don't, they start creating their own blockages, which shuts off their telepathic ability, the telepathic skills. And when I was growing up i I never blocked my telepathic skills I always just knew what I was hearing what I was feeling what I was seeing and no one could tell me otherwise Um, but it's all started through a little dog of mine that I had Smurphy who's in my first book Um, she actually passed on she crossed over when she was seven years old through cancer and I didn't know at the time that she had cancer Um, I just found out afterwards when she they did an autopsy on her and when, when I lost her, it was three o'clock in the morning on Good Friday, and the bottom literally fell out of my world. I didn't know how I was going to carry on with the next hour, let alone the next 20 years, without her in my life. And you know, every single animal that you lose, that I lose, it never gets easier. And somehow when, when I lost her, it seemed to be all the animals I'd lost previously were rolled into one, and I felt everybody's pain at that time and I was absolutely devastated. Eventually I went on various courses, I did a lot of in- investigation and I went on various courses because I thought some, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing and I, I was desperate to get rid of the pain I was feeling. So I, I went on a whole series of courses of all, all sorts of things related to animals. I did Reiki courses, I did animal, animal healing courses, I did connecting with God's courses, I did psychic development courses. I did everything that you could name and um, eventually I read a book by Amelia Kincaid. My mom had lent me this book called Straight from the Horse's Mouth and Amelia is one of the top animal communicators in America and it was through reading that book that I discovered that this is what I have been doing all my life but there was no name to it. In those days, this was like over 20 years ago, there was no name to it, you couldn't say you couldn't say telepathic communication there, there was nothing known about it then so I started writing to Amelia and she invited me to come and take part in one of her courses on the Isle of Man so I flew over to the Isle of Man and joined her and did a course with her and that's where I learned all the techniques that get me to communicate on a deeper level with animals because everybody that loves animals and, and has animals and is close to their own animals um they've all already got an understanding of how they what's going on in their minds you've got a basic understanding even though you're not aware of it but i wanted to know more i wanted to get a deeper understanding so i could actually have conversations with them and particularly to i, I discovered also about throughout my whole journey i discovered about the soul and went on courses of being able to communicate with with animals Um, that have passed on, that have crossed over and that's basically where I got started and I've done it's it's really it might sound very sad to everybody and it is sad It's, it's I don't take anything away from that it's really very sad when an animal passes on but it is really the highlight of what I do because the information that comes through is always so uplifting and so amazing.
0: Yes and comforting.
1: A very comforting yeah, yes. To those yes. who stay behind. Yes, yes.
0: Could you explain how you see the crossing over process? Because you've now mentioned the soul of the animal. Um, the crossing over process, very often, when
1: an animal is about to cross, and sometimes they don't even realize it in their physical body. I mean, it could be that they're going to be run over next week, or they could get an illness, and so it doesn't mean they all. Have to be ill to know that they're going to be crossing over. Accidents can happen, but everything, you know, is is pre-planned. So there's there's always a a plan, even even if they have a sudden crossing over. And when it's when it's about to happen, so it could be a couple of days before, or even just a few hours before, the soul actually starts to flash. Not to us, we don't notice it here on the physical dimension, but the soul flashes inside that animal that body and that alerts everybody on the other that's already on the other side that animals family friends humans people whoever that animal has on the other on the other side it alerts them that this this particular animal is about to cross so that when the animal finally does cross everybody's waiting for them so we don't have to call anybody and say, "Can you help guard this one over?" or "Can you can you meet such and such?" because they will all be there already. Mm-hmm. They've already been alerted. Mm-hmm.
0: You once spoke about the veil between the physical dimension and the soul dimension. Yes. Could you say more about this? Between the two dimensions, now a lot of people think of the
1: other side as as heaven, or they think of the other side as being way up in the sky and it's not the other side is really literally parallel to the physical dimension so the soul dimension between the two dimensions the physical and the soul there is a veil and that veil is extremely thin and this makes it possible for a soul on the other side so one of our animals that's crossed over to the other side to see everything we do and hear everything we say they are literally walking parallel to us in another dimension they also, once they're in a soul dimension, in, in, in their soul form, this is a bit complicated to explain, but their vibration is extremely fast. You know, with us being so fast, the the vibration, that's what makes the soul so light. They become ex- extremely light. And the lighter they are and the faster they're vibrating, the more easy it is to see through that veil to be able to communicate with us to see what we're doing, to hear what we're saying, and so on. Now with us, from the physical dimension, when we look through the veil, it's very dense. And the reason it's dense is because of all our anxieties, our negativities, our frustrations, our anger, all the issues, all our baggage that we develop over the years on the phys- living in the physical dimension. That makes it very dense. So it's very difficult for us to see. Even our pain makes it dense. So when an animal crosses over, you've got all that pain you can't see through that pain it's very dense so you can't actually you're not aware. however, we can lighten that and lightening that veil means if you sort of do a little bit of meditation, it doesn't all mean you have to meditate crazily all that all your all your day. but if we do some meditation, if we just listen to gentle music, if we do uplifting creative Activities like artwork, painting, even gardening. Some people find cooking uplifting. I'm not one of them, but some people find that uplifting. Um, any kind of creative activity that we do, um, that all helps lighten our energy. Any kind of love and peace we feel. That's why even listening to really uplifting music makes us feel a joy and a peace inside. And that all of that. Helps lighten our our own energy, which makes it easier to see through the veil, and then we can. A lot of people do actually feel their animals, but they can't see and they can't hear. But once we've lightened the energy around our own auras, our own energy fields, that makes it possible for us to get more in tune with possibly feeling them jumping on the bed with you at night, or just being aware of their presence in the room, or even hearing a snoring or something or that they used to do that you, you know, can relate to them through some activity that they used to do that you can identify. And then eventually from there we can develop our abilities to be able to talk to them. However, even if you do talk to them, they can still hear you. Even if you can't hear them, they will still be able to hear everything you say.
0: And you'll talk loudly?
1: You can talk loudly or you can just talk in your mind. You don't have to talk loudly. And um, because it's all a telepathic thing, so you can. Lots of people feel more comfort if they they speak out loud. What I always suggest to people is to write letters. You know, to write a letter to the the animal that's just passed over, because they will get that letter. They'll be sitting with them while they write it, and then to burn it, because by burning it, it allows it to go to this animal, and it also releases some of that pain. It's not going to release the memory of the animal. Make no mistake, that will never go, and we never get over that but we do learn to to live with it. And just the releasing of that letter helps us to get over it because the more, um, the happier, the more calm and the more relaxed we are, the easier it is for the animal's soul to be close to us. If the animal feels a lot of tension and stress coming from us and pain and anger and whatever else we feel on a physical level, it makes it more difficult. It almost pushes them away. They don't go far, but it stops them being able to really come close to us. But the minute they feel a lightness in our energy, it makes it much easier for them.
0: Fascinating to hear about (laughs) how this connection works. Yes, it's lovely, yeah. You've talked about the pain one experiences when you lose a beloved animal. So when an animal companion has passed and the humans who stay behind are devastated, what can they do for comfort? You have mentioned some practical things. Yes, yes. Um, the thing that gives people the most comfort is knowing
1: but however saying this even knowing that the animal where that animal is even for me that knows and I have connection with them and I can communicate with them on a soul level it doesn't take away the anguish that I feel so people will still feel that but just knowing that the animal is still there even though they can't see him or her does help a little bit, knowing if understanding where they go, what happens, how the soul works, it does give them some comfort. But some of the other things that can help are also the letter writing and um, as I mentioned to somebody else that I worked with a crossover animal recently, start a memory box, and I find that very good use. the You can use the bowl that the animal used to eat out of or drink out of. You can, use, you can buy a little jewellery box, anything that, that you feel like doing it. Put pictures on it, make it really pretty and, and really make it something that touches your heart. And then put little memoirs in there, put a little photograph of the animal, put a little stick or a piece of bark that they used it to, or a toy, or just things that remind you of that particular dog or cat or horse or whoever it is. Um, and then every now and again put a letter, write a little letter, put that in, write... Favorite memories of that you've had going to the park, various things like that. People are scared to do that because they don't want to remember because it's painful to remember. But if you, when they're ready, just to write a little memory, put it in that box. And eventually they can, every now and again, take the box out and go through it and make no mistake, that animal will be right there with them while they're doing that, remembering all these me- memories together with them.
0: And that's that a also, way of honoring them.
1: It's a way of honoring them. It's a way of Comforting yourself, feeling that they are still there. Something physical that we... Because we all, as humans, we always need something physical to do. We can't just say meditate, you know, you'll get over it. It doesn't work. You need something physical, practical that we can actually do that can help us remember and just help us have comfort. Mm. Yeah.
0: When there are, say, two dogs in a house and one dies, what can owners do to help the remaining dog with a grieving process? Okay, this is... This is
1: something that's so that I do a lot of. Always just remember that you, you must never ever feel sorry for the grieving dog. You need to be there to support them. They do understand they have a much better understanding of what's happened than the, the people in the family, than we do. They They really understand more about the soul. They don't have a fear of death. Animals don't fear death the way we do. So the best thing that I can suggest is to do fun things with that animal explain to them, you can explain to them and say to them this is what happened, so and so was sick or so and so had an accident or whatever, he or she has now moved on to the other side and they're watching over us, they're still with us, they come to visit us at night, you are safe, you are fine and it was not your fault. They need to know that it wasn't their fault but then don't feel sorry for them, rather just support them, allow them their grieving but Do fun things with them, the quickest they'll get the more fun things they do, the quicker they'll get over so if you If you used to don 't change the routine in any way, if you used to take them all for a walk or both of the dogs for a walk every day, take that dog for a walk and invite the other dog to join you so that the one that's crossed over can come and join you on your walk and tell the dog that's still there you're going to invite so and so he's going to come with us for our walks this morning and just include the crossed over dog or cat or whoever it is in whatever you're doing with the mourning dog that's that's left behind. But a lot of people say to me, the dog is so upset, please find out why, what can they do? And the dog has gone into a depression. Now the depression the dog goes into, mostly it's more related to them picking up the feelings of the people. So if the people are in a deep depression over the loss, the animal will respond to that. And that's what they'll be feeling. So if the, if the person is, well, you can't be cheerful, but if the person is sort of lighter and happier and still carrying on as normal, you can have your moments, obviously, but if you can just show a little bit of joy, not joy at the passing, but just joy in yourself, that will help the remaining dog get over it a lot quicker, a lot sooner.
0: So regaining your own emotional balance that's also it. helps yes. The, yes. the animal.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because they're so sensitive and they really mirror us. So if we're feeling, if we're angry or if we're terribly upset or depressed, it's going to show in them. They're going to feel it. They're going to pick it up. It's going to confuse them. And they're going to behave in the way we are feeling. So if your dog looks depressed, look at yourself and see, how can you stop your own depression to help your dog through his or hers?
0: In your experience with animals who have passed over, are there any real-life stories you'd like to share? I've got quite a
1: few. I can't recall all of them right now, but I've got one um, recent one where it was a little dog, and um, she, she had um, severe biliary, and she actually crossed over while she was at the vet before the people had a chance to. that weren't with her Um, When she crossed, she crossed over during the night, and when the vet got there in the morning, she was gone. So the people were absolutely devastated, understandably, really, that they couldn't be with her at the end. When I connected with her, I answered the questions that they'd given me to ask her, and she did all that. And then in the course of the the reading, the communication, she showed me um, a pedestal bird bath, it had water in it, and it it was one of those pedestal ones. And behind, it was in the corner of the garden. I didn't know because very often, you know, when I communicate, I don't know if what they're showing me is what they've had here on the physical, or if what it's what they've got where they are now. But this was in the corner of a the garden. There's some big trees around, and there was like a a sweet smell. It smelled like lavender or jasmine. I couldn't tell the difference. Either one of the one or two of the other, and I saw her sitting just next to this this bird bath and just sitting there watching the birds, watching the birds bathing, not chasing them, anything, just watching them. And I, f- I gave this information to the people and they said that was their, their garden. Everything fitted. They've got jasmine growing behind the bird bath and it's in the corner of their garden in a very bushy tree area. And the little dog, she was a Jack Russell, she would spend hours sitting, sitting there watching the bird's bath, exactly what she showed me, and because of that, they actually um, buried her there, right next to the bird bath, and and that's what she was showing me, and she gave me the smell of the, the jasmine or lavenders, I thought, but they confirmed it to be jasmine. So that was really really nice for them to hear that she she was there, and she was very happy with where they'd buried her.
0: Yes, I'm sure then the other answers that you got made yes, more, might, yes. it might makes more of an impression of on them. Because, yes, absolutely. You
1: know, yeah. And then I had a cat um, at one stage that was run over. And he told me that he, he'd gone out on a, a jaunt to go walk around the neighbourhood as cats do. And um, he'd got run over and he couldn't understand why the family was so upset. And one of the questions they wanted to know was, how did he die? And very seldom an animal gives me the, the, the information of how they died because it doesn't matter to them once they've gone. And that's what came through with him. He said what, it does not matter what happened to him, how he crossed over, what matters is that he's still alive in his soul form. And then he showed me that he'd been run over. And I said to him, and what about your body? What do you want them to do with your body? It's in the street, you know. They actually, they did find him. And he said, "Ugh, oh, that old thing. Not interested in that. So that showed me that once an animal crosses, they don't, whatever whatever you decide, whether you cremate them or bury them, it really means it's not important to them what happens to their body, what's important to them is that they are still alive and they're still with us. And the, the burial and the, whatever we do afterwards with their body is really for our benefit, what makes us feel comfortable and what what makes us feel happy, you know, the way we can honour them. But it's, it's for the human, it's not for the animal, because people never know what to do, you know, what do they want done, and it really doesn't matter.
0: So it's not only passing over, it's passing on.
1: It is. In fact, um, I had a, one quite a few years ago of a young girl, actually, not a not an animal. I'll just mention the story because it was quite quite a bit of eye opening here. And she had been to her matric dance with a bunch of friends. And on the way home from the matric dance, they'd got into a horrific accident and she was killed. She was a twin, part of a twin And she was killed. And the parents found out that night. Somebody phoned them and said, this is what had happened. And it was a huge, big thing. It was a couple of years later that the mother came to me and said, well, could I connect with with her? Because a soul is a soul. Whether it be an animal soul or a person, it's no different. The only difference is in the body the soul chooses to come in as. And um, I said, "Okay, I don't really do people, but I'll, I'll see what I can find out. And the first thing that came across was that she was, this young girl was annoyed with her mother because her mother spent all her time at the gravesite crying, all her time. It's been over a year and she spent all her time there at the gravesite crying. And she, she had a twin brother and she said, I'm not in the grave, that's not where I am. I'm with you, I'm everywhere, I'm not there. That's where my body is, but I'm not there. I'm out of my body. I'm released from my body. I'm not there anymore and my brother needs you to to support him because he was also devastated but she was so caught up in her own sorrow that she couldn't couldn't see through it. And and that her hearing from her daughter and finding out that she's not actually there that she's in the house she you don't have to go to the graveyard to visit. You know, you can just sit in your garden or you can sit in your house, you know? Um, And that helped them start the healing process. Because the healing process is a long thing. It's not something you just get over. Mm -hmm. It's something that takes time to heal.
0: But it it helps very much if you have clarity. If
1: you've got clarity and if you've got some understanding of what happens, that that person or that animal is not gone. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take away the pain, but it does give you some form of comfort. Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Let's talk about euthanasia, where pets are concerned. I'm sure this may be a very difficult decision. How do you approach it? It's extremely difficult, um,
1: and especially with people that are anti-euthanasia, because when you're an animal communicator, people always rely on you to make the decision for them. And I always say to them it's not don't come to an animal communicator to make a decision like that for you. You will know when it's time. The animal will tell you when it's time. However, if your your animal is in a lot of pain, really ill and in a lot of pain, then it even though they've said they're not ready, they might say they're not ready, it's our responsibility as their carer to help them at the end. They're not scared of euthanasia. And um, euthanasia is to me um one of the best ways for them to go. Because very often people say they want to wait, let them go on their own. But sometimes sometimes that's they, they just go to sleep and they, they pass on in their sleep. But a lot of the time that end bit is really not pleasant for them. It's very uncomfortable, not, not pleasant. It can be very traumatic and quite painful. So then if, if that is where they're at, euthanasia is the answer. However, I don't agree with euthanasia at all for convenience purposes, or young animals. Everybody's got a a, a right to to life, to good, healthy, happy life. And if somebody is going to euthanize their dog because it's a nuisance or they're wanting to go on holiday or it's turned vicious and they don't know why, if it's vicious, there's always a reason. That's when you go to an animal communicator or a behaviourist to sort out the problem. But I don't agree with um, euthanasia where it's not necessary. Um, The only times it's necessary is if that animal is really... Not even if it's old. We don't euthanize our elder. We look after them. We give them joint medicines to, to cope with their joint issues. We look after the elderly, even the animals, older animals. We don't just euthanize them because they're old and we now need younger dogs. We look after them because they've given us all this unconditional love. They've served us for so long. They've given us constant companionship, protection, whatever they've given. It's our... Responsibility to see them through their old years. But the minute they can't cope, they're really ill or they're really in pain, then we need to make the decision. And the only thing they ask of us at that point is that we are with them at the end. So it's not an option to hand them over to a vet and then leave them and let the vet deal with it. Not an option. You need to stand with them, be with them, get the vet to come to the house if possible. That's what I've done with all of mine. Or at least go with them, at least stand with them, at least put your hand on them, at least be with them at that moment. And that moment is really peaceful. It's almost—it's like they, they get an injection. It's like a very um, deep anaesthetic they go into. They just go to sleep and then their, their heart stops. So it's very relaxing, calming at the end, if it is the, the time for them. If it's not a young dog that might fighting because it doesn't want to go through all this Um, so yeah it's it's quite it can be quite a peaceful although distressing um, episode to deal with
0: a quick note on what I do and why I do it I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My weekly podcast episodes and the articles on my website focus on emotional health, parenting, love relationships and the life challenges we all face. Each episode and article features a therapist, coach or other wellness professional, so you can get to know them and find an expert who will resonate with you should you need one. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. I love the fact that my website has had visitors from 100 countries and that I've featured 90 plus experts so far. Don't forget the up-close and personal articles on my website, which offer you a peek at the person behind the expert. If you're a wellness expert who'd like to be featured on my platform, just click on services on my website and then send me an email. Now, back to my guest. I know some people, if they don't want to have it done at home, then they could take the pet to a a beautiful, quiet place. Yes, yes. And then ask the vet to come there.
1: You can do that. I don't know if there are a lot of vets that do that now. I mean, my vet does come to the house. There's not a lot that go to the house anymore. But you can ask some of them to go. Otherwise, there's some vets that will take them out into a little quiet area in the garden at the vet. And do it there or they can just do it in the surgery in a quiet room but as long as you're with them it doesn't matter where as long as you're with them yes that's the important At, at the end yes
0: often owners can't afford the necessary medical expenses and feel they have no choice but to implement euthanasia perhaps the vet tells them that it will cost many thousands of rands to treat the animal and they're not sure about the outcome um, yes. What would you say to somebody in that position? Well, it
1: depends on really what the condition is because if it's a um, progressive thing like a serious cancer, I mean, some cancers can be treated, but it is it is a pricey thing, it's a costly thing. Um, I would suggest people insure their animals against something like that so that they've got the money to cope, to deal with it when if, if something like that had to come up. But um, you can always go to... I'm not sure whether they do it, but the SPCA or the Animal Anti-Cruelty and ask them if their vet can can look at into the treatment. Um, it's it's a difficult. This is a difficult one because it really is according to the costs and the vets are expensive. But there are also some natural things on the market that you can do, or just energy type healing that you can do. It might not cure them, but it could relieve them of some of the symptoms um, in the short term. Yeah, I would. I would. Really suggest possibly looking into the the um, in- insurance or medical aid, pet medical aid, to just try and so they get some assistance if, if something like that should happen. Yes,
0: yeah. so you can spare yourself heartache if you yes. take yes. out a hospital plan. And obviously it.
1: if, if it's an animal that's got severe severe bone cancer, for instance, and n- the prognosis is not good and the animal is in pain, then you have to make that decision. Then it's up to us to make the decision.
0: Can you please tell us more about your books and then about your courses? Okay,
1: my books. Well, in the last podcast, we, we, it was just when I was releasing my second book. It's Perfect Voices. And that's all about animal communication, a deeper understanding of animal communication. The first book is called Pause and Listen. And that's all about, it's got exercises about how to communicate with animals. It's got some in there about cross-over animals, work communicating with crossed over animals, and various techniques and and exercises that you can do to develop your own abilities, to to sharpen your own intuition and open your telepathic channels. And um, the books are available on Amazon internationally. Um, They're available as hard copies as well as ebooks. Ebooks. They're also available as ebooks. books um, If you are in and around Johannesburg or in South Africa, then they can be ordered directly from me, myself. Then you can get a signed copy, and I send them through PostNet. So if you are in an area where you've got a PostNet, then I can organise to either send them to you, a signed copy if necessary, and but those are only local South African books that I do that and you can get me on my email jenny at animalhealing.co.za and um, as far as the workshops go at the moment I'm running workshops according to people demand so if there's somebody that's wanting a workshop in their area if it's also in and around the Johannesburg area it can be Cape Town or Durban provided there are enough people interested If if they've got enough people interested, or a couple of people, then I will do the workshop in their home and um, working with the animals. And for that, they can also contact me, and I'll give them more information on that. And um, they can just let me know if they're willing to have it in their house. I have got one workshop coming up now on the 22nd of April, which I'm going to be doing at my home, which I don't really do workshops there anymore but I've got somebody who doesn't have animals and she's desperate to do the workshop and she's very keen to to have this workshop at my house, which is in Blue Saddle Ranch in the Midvale area near Walkerville for people that might know the areas. And that's going to be on the 22nd of April and it's a basic animal telepathic communication. So it's working on the introduction, getting to know how the animals communicate with each other how you can send and receive messages and information to and from the animals. And um, also I'm teaching them how to they'll bring photographs of their own their own animals and so that I can show them how to connect with them through a photograph. If they're wanting to do readings for friends, for instance. Yeah, all the exercises to get them started. And we'll be working with my animals on the day. Dogs, horses, donkeys, cats those animals that we'll be working with on the day provide as well as the ones that are in the photographs
0: yes and you also have your website called animalhealing.co.za yes
1: www.animalhealing.co.za
0: and i'm going to attach that link to the podcast okay and i'm sure someone can get to you through the website yes absolutely
1: yes they can
0: yes do you have any online courses available
1: i do i do have the animal communication courses online available um, I have been doing the healing courses. if there's somebody that's really keen on the ESP healing, I've got that on a on an um, online course, a home study. However, I like to do those in person because I like to have one on one so we can do exercises together and you know understand everything as a group. Um, so if there are enough people I can organize that as well. but for the, for now it's the animal telepathic communication, the level one and the level two are both um, home study options and in the level one we learn everything I've just mentioned on the workshop I'm going to be doing on the 22nd and the level two I focus a lot on the medical intuitive medical body scanning which helps us see inside the animals to see what possible abnormalities there are or issues they might have Um, and we also work on how to locate or how to work with missing animals that's done on the level two. Yes, and yes. you
0: said more about that in our previous podcast.
1: I, I think I did, yes. yes I did yes. mention, yes.
0: And Jenny, your second book at least, I don't know about the first one, but the second one definitely involves wild animals and small creatures as well.
1: Yes, yes, there is something about wild animals in there and and insects and smaller animals. Yes, yes
0: which is... it's. <laughs> It's fascinating to see yes. to see the things you find out about these yes yes these little these little creatures and the little in the ones
1: they communicate in a very different way, you know flies and mosquitoes and bees and those sort of things and t- snails they all communicate in a different way they communicate more through vibration so the vibration of our words gives them the information not the actual words mm-hmm. so it's very interesting mm-hmm. and that there's a little bit
0: of that in the second book yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jenny. Now can I ask you your fun question? You can. (laughs) In a fantasy world, which wild animal would you just love to be for a while?
1: You know, I would think I would love to be a female lioness. And simply because the lionesses are actually more powerful than the lions, (laughs) they're actually stronger. Um, If there's a, a lioness fighting a lion the lioness will more than likely win and it's because they're the ones that do the hunting and not that I'm into hunting without that and the lion the male lions are the ones that stay home and look after the cubs but I also like lions are very grounded they're very you know if you if you look watch how lion walks it puts its full weight on every single paw and its paw covers a big area and as it walks it sort of almost sinks into the ground very silently as it moves along. And it just grounds, it's just connected with the earth and it's connected with the air and it's connected with the trees. It's just fabulous, fabulous.
0: What a beautiful image of how (laughs) they walk. Yes, you know, I've seen it in movies at least, if not perhaps from close quarters. And the
1: lions, yes, they are very, they're very sort of stable, if I can put it that way. What you see is what you get. They're very, consistent they don't uh, a cheetah for instance is is very sort of unreliable it it chops and changes as it goes but lions are very sort of reliable not in the fact that they're going to attack you or anything like that but just in themselves they they're very sort of in the moment they don't their personalities don't chop and change and go all over the show Mm -hmm. yeah it's
0: fascinating (laughs) Thank you so much, Jenny, for pleasure. talking about this sensitive topic. Yes. I'm sure many listeners dearly love their pets, and there may be many who have been through the whole yes. painful experience of yes. losing a pet. Or, I mean, when you love someone or an animal, you're always yes. vulnerable because Absolutely. it might come. Yes. So thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. To our listeners, thank you for joining us. It would be kind of you to subscribe to Calm, Clear and Helpful and rate it where you download your podcasts. And then, if you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. Visit my website www.marihedsneiman.co.za for this episode's show notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on love relationships, parenting, life's challenges, and emotional health. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted, and edited by me, and the music is by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.